Looking back at an old game that you used to love to play is a lot like looking back at an old relationship. Initially, when you think about it, you remember all of the good times, all the times when you had fun, enjoyed yourself, and everything was perfect, but you usually don't initially remember the bad. But once you begin looking at it with a critical eye, honestly evaluating everything that happened and goes on, you start to see that it wasn't as perfect as you remember. But once you look back at it with a critical eye, you start to see that there were many holes that developed and it wasn't quite as perfect as you previously thought. Sure, you remember the good times, but you start to remember the bad times, the holes in the experience that left you wanting. And that particular portion of the analysis is what we're going to focus on in this video. Assassin's Creed 2 for many people is considered the best game of the franchise. It's the moment when they fell in love with it and naturally it holds a lot of sentimental value for them. And I will admit I'm one of those people. I remember playing through Assassin's Creed 2 on my little MacBook Pro when it first came to Mac, having a great time and being so enveloped in everything that went on in this game world. I didn't really know why, but it had me hooked. And ever since I've been obsessed with this franchise. Now naturally, it's very hard to overcome this nostalgic bias, which is why Nintendo reviews are always a total crapshoot. But for this particular video, I really tried to look back as I replayed Assassin's Creed 2 for this video specifically, and look at the things that fell short, the things that were good, bad, what they've overcome, and whether or not anything was done in Assassin's Creed 2 that I think they should bring back to the franchise in future entries. Now naturally, we're talking about a game that released for the 360 and PS3, it's an oldie, and so there were of course technological restraints that were imposed upon the game, and so those aren't very important for us. So things like graphics or frame rates, textures, things like that are not going to be a major point of consideration. What is going to be a major point of consideration are the game design elements, the writing, the storytelling, and the approach to the building of the game world. In other words, the important stuff. But before we get started, I just want to stress, I really do love Assassin's Creed 2. And so in the following moments, when I explain certain shortcomings I found within it, I don't want you to think that I'm bashing the game. In reality, I'm digging very hard to try to find things that are problematic with the game's core design. And even then, I'm not necessarily sure about this, which is why I'm making the video so that we can start a dialogue. You can let me know your thoughts in the comment section below or on the Discord or on Twitter, and we can begin a discussion. But with all that said, let's jump into it. To begin, the narrative. The game story is fairly straightforward. Effectively, you are following the story of Desmond Miles, and this character is put into the Animus because he shares a common ancestry with Ezio Alditore, who is the protagonist of the game. The game starts out at the very beginning of Ezio's life, seeing him born seemingly to a fairly well-off family establishing a new lineage. We then jump way forward and see Ezio all grown up with no place to go in what appears to be the Renaissance. Now in this prologue section, effectively what the game is trying to establish is Ezio as a young and fairly irresponsible young man who acts impulsively and doesn't tend to think about the impact his actions will have on others. And so, as you can imagine, his story arc is effectively simply him going from a reckless youth 
to a grown-up mature man and as with many Assassin's Creed games that journey is fairly abrupt. Now at the time when the game came out this was actually a fairly well-designed story and it was actually praised by many review sites at the time for its storytelling and its writing. But this is a plot device that we've actually seen implemented many times throughout the franchise after this game. And it's likely not because this is all the writers know how to do, it's likely because Assassin's Creed 2 was so well received that they're trying to catch that lightning in the bottle once again, and so they keep giving new characters to try and emulate that. Don't believe me? Well, let's look at Arno from Assassin's Creed Unity and compare him directly to Ezio. Assassin's Creed Unity opens up with Arno being chased down by a blacksmith because he has just stolen back a pocket watch that he happened to lose in a gambling game of something or other. And this is their way of introducing you to the character and also to the world as you run through it trying to escape them. And as you go through this, you see the world, you see a variety of characters, and it's established that Arno is a young, very immature individual who needs to be matured by no fault of his own through events that are forced upon him. In Assassin's Creed 2, we see something very, very similar with Ezio running away from a bunch of guards and then getting distracted as he sees the balcony on which his lady friend happens to be residing, at which point he climbs up the balcony, spends the night, has a little fun playing some hanky-panky, and then the woman's father comes in the room early that next morning, and then Ezio has to run off and it's chuckling, it's funny because he slept with her and he wasn't supposed to. <laughs> Uh, it's clever writing, blah, blah, blah. They're slightly different, sure, but at its core, they're both immature, irrational, and irresponsible young men who are forced to mature very quickly once reality hits them over the head. Now, this isn't necessarily a criticism. I actually think it works really, really well, and that's why I'm so heartbroken that Assassin's Creed Unity ended up the way it did, because I think they laid a good foundation, and I think they could have really... Uh, twisted it into something interesting, but that's a topic for another video that I've actually already made. If you want to see it, I'll put a link up on screen right now. The one part of this setup that I do have an issue with is the overall story arc and how it effectively happens overnight. And this is something that I understand could theoretically happen if an individual was forced to grown up overnight. You would just have to pull your boots up by their straps and deal with reality as it presented itself. But in a video game, you have so much time and so many resources to play with. I don't think you necessarily have to present it that way. I think you can stretch it out. And if you don't believe me, just take this as an example. Ezio is naturally very upset that his family is executed after being falsely accused of committing treason and fraud and all of these horrible things. And the individual that you had put your trust in has just betrayed you. Now, at this point in the story, there is a little bit of chaos going on, as you would expect, and so Ezio goes with his mother and sister, finds them, and travels with them to a villa outside of town where his uncle resides. And so you huddle up there, where you will be safe with your family, but there's never a moment of self 
inspection or reflection where Ezio is trying to determine the best course of action, whether or not he should just hunker down with his family and forget everything he knows, forget everything he's experienced and just try to get on with his life or decide to go and get revenge on those who have enacted this terrible, terrible crime. And I know that you could read this immediate decision to enact vengeance as a reflection of Ezio's character being an irresponsible young individual, but I don't think that's necessarily the way that you can read it. If that was true, then we wouldn't see the complete switch where Ezio is all of a sudden very mature in his approach to enacting that vengeance. In this case, yes, he very quickly and one might even argue irrationally decides to enact vengeance on those who did this, even though they are wildly more powerful than he is. But what we don't see is Ezio being irrational and irresponsible with how he chooses to enact that vengeance. All it would take to lengthen this character arc would be perhaps one mission where he goes and tries to assassinate one individual who is involved in this plot and it totally goes awry because he gets pig-headed and tries to go in guns blazing or knives blazing and he gets in way over his head and you're forced to reevaluate your circumstances, reevaluate your own abilities and approach missions in a new and more responsible way. This could be a character arc Arc, not just for Ezio, but also for the player to show them you can't play this game like a tank. You have to play this a little bit more calculated. Effectively, I just want more. I want this to be stretched out a little bit more because at this point you basically have an irrational youth and then in the span of about 10 minutes you go from that into a hardened assassin who recites small prayers as he kills people that are responsible for executing his family. It's a shift that is very, very sudden. We do get a couple sprinkles of this immaturity, such as in this scene where Ezio assassinates an individual very early on and your uncle has to call you back to make sure that you approach this with respect because at the end of the day he is still dead he was a person you shouldn't be so pig-headed about these sorts of things and in that moment i loved what the writers did because they humanized the characters and had to pull Ezio back but that's a moment that is few and far between and all i'm saying is that i wish there were more of those moments after this character switch, there isn't a whole lot that goes on. Ezio basically goes along his journey, tries to assassinate a bunch of people that were involved in the overall plot as he starts to uncover even more corruption and he starts talking with Niccolo Machiavelli and he starts talking with Leonardo da Vinci and you soon find out that there's corruption all the way to the very tippy top of the pinnacle of society. In other words, the papacy. When you realize that Rodrigo Borgia has become corrupted and that he is to become Pope Alexander VI. This revenge tale structure actually works very, very well for a game like Assassin's Creed because it initially charges the player with the task of killing people who are guilty of some sort of crime. And along the way, you realize there's a lot more to this and that you need to serve a greater purpose, joining in this case, the Assassin's Creed in order to fulfill your ultimate destiny. It's actually such a successful tactic that it's actually used in Assassin's Creed 3, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. We, of course, saw this in Assassin's Creed Unity, Assassin's Creed Origins, and I can only imagine we're going to encounter it in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. 
Now, once again, I want to stress that this is not necessarily a criticism. It's simply an evaluation of how the writers decided to approach storytelling within the Assassin's Creed universe. I actually think it works very, very well, which is why, obviously, they've used it so much. In future games, I would love for them to shake it up, but my gut instinct is that they're going to stick to it. Now, as for gameplay... Looking back at these sorts of systems is always really, really difficult because, of course, with games like Origins having already been released, significant progress has been made both graphically in terms of combat systems, in terms of free running, in terms of UI and inventory management, even upgrading and skill trees has been added to the franchise at this point. And in the next game, of course, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, we're apparently going to be getting dialogue choices, branching narratives, and the option to choose between playing as one of two protagonists throughout the entirety of the story. And so when looking back at the gameplay of a title that is many years old at this point, it's tough to figure out what exactly to say, because of course there are going to be shortcomings. The inventory system is incredibly simple, with you effectively simply going about missions and occasionally going to a blacksmith to buy the newest armor that you can get, while also solving puzzles and challenge areas within the assassin's tombs in order to eventually unlock the armor of Altair, which is the endgame armor that you want to have. You purchase refillables, such as smoke bombs and throwing knives, and as you go through the game, you can eventually purchase art, you can purchase different colors for your costume or armor, whatever you would want to call it, and you can eventually purchase all of these things to house and fill up your villa so that I guess you can have a place to chill, I, I guess it's cool. And once again, this is something that was returned to later in the franchise. Assassin's Creed 3 sort of did it with a boat enhancement, like you could upgrade your ship, it was sort of like it's kind of half there. But of course we saw this with Assassin's Creed Black Flag, we saw this with Assassin's Creed Unity, where you had a base that you could upgrade, and I can only imagine it will make a return to the series later on. The combat is, of course, very simple. This was before Assassin's Creed Origins when they really did an overhaul, moving from a paired animation combat system to a fully contact-based hitbox system. And so it's going to always be limited, but it actually is fairly smooth. I think it plays well. The AI is not very brilliant. You can take a body, throw it over the ledge, it'll land in front of them and they won't notice. But once again, we're talking about an older game. There are technological limitations. At its core, the combat is simply designed to give you something to do and to keep you focused. It's not the focus of the game, but it requires it. Free running was really the defining factor of Assassin's Creed 2, though. I remember the first time I played it, I was blown away at just how many ways you could traverse the map. The idea that you could go up, down, around, you could swim through the water, take a shortcut here, go all around, it blew my mind, as it did for many people at the time. It was really revolutionary, and I cannot stress enough how well it even to this day works. Now, early on, I thought I was going a little crazy. It seemed as though Ezio couldn't jump very high and that there were 
certain ledges that just weren't built properly because he couldn't get up them without being really weird and awkward. It was just uncomfortable. And I thought that this was just an artifact of the age of the game. But as I went through the story, I finally remembered a key moment about a third of the way through the game. You find a young lady who's injured and after you help her, she teaches you how to perform this vaulting jump to get to higher surfaces and to unlock all of these new areas and to unlock all of these places and treasures that you previously tried to get to but couldn't because you weren't as experienced. Now I didn't expect unlocking free running abilities would have a major impact on me, but it really made sense. The fact that Ezio, starting his life, wouldn't be an expert in free running, wouldn't be incredibly strong, wouldn't have the ability to jump these great heights, that makes sense to me. And so the fact that he would have to learn how to do these specialty moves from others really clicked and I thought it was super cool and it opened this whole new world of possibility when I realized Oh crap, there's all new areas of the world that I can explore now. This is awesome. And it made me wonder, what if in Assassin's Creed Origins or Syndicate, all of these extra difficult moves that you perform apparently so easily in the game were required to unlock through some sort of story mission or through some sort of experience test. There are certain elements like this, such as in Syndicate, you have to eventually unlock the rope caster, Batman tool so that you can really pole vault up buildings, but that's not quite the same thing. They still are superhuman in the way that they interact with it and of course the topic of a stamina bar has been brought up many many times in Assassin's Creed many people are opposed to the idea but I think starting out with a constraint of stamina where you can only climb so high so fast for so long would really shift how you have to play it's such a simple change but I really think it could be beneficial Especially if we're going from the zero to hero type of story in order to add and build upon that to make it work as though you are going from a nobody to this superhuman assassin. It only makes sense to start out with a very constrained ability set and to expand that as you go through the game. So at the beginning, you struggle to make it up a tall building. And once you get up there, you can't sprint. You're out of breath. You are done. But by the end of the game, that's a cakewalk, and you could get up 10 of those without skipping a beat or dropping a beat of sweat. I think that actually could be very, very impactful and really affect the way that people play and the way that they level their characters. The natural difficulty with this, of course, being that when people sit down to play an Assassin's Creed title, they tend to want to play as an assassin, at least the broad populace. They don't find it super interesting to go through this journey of self-discovery like big fans of the series might be interested in doing. So while it's an interesting idea, I do accept that it's likely unlikely that they will do it. At the very least, I think it could be interesting to add some sort of New Game Plus or Very Hard Mode or Immersion Mode, something like that where it adds that constraint into the mix. It might require rebuildings of certain systems and restructurings. It could get way more complicated than it seems to me at the outset, as I'm sure it would be, but it really would be interesting to see how a simple change such as a stamina bar could impact the gameplay overall. This of course brings me to the overall topic of 
constraints placed on the player within a game such as Assassin's Creed. As many of you know who have played games within the franchise, in general Ubisoft tries to empower the player with more and more abilities to make it easier to traverse large swaths of land or big overarching landscapes and do that very quickly and efficiently. But you have to ask yourself, is that in and of itself a noble pursuit? If the ultimate goal of a game is to have fun, then is it inherently fun to go through a particular task, in this case traversing up and down buildings, across a map, what have you, efficiently? Or is it more fun to do that and have some struggle, have effort required, have certain key combinations required and active participation on the side of the player required in order to complete that task? I actually would side with the latter. One of the big improvements, for instance, in Assassin's Creed Origins was the free running system and how it was implemented so that all you had to do was push the analog stick forward and hold down another button so that you would climb up, and if you wanted to climb down, you held down another button. However, in previous games such as Syndicate and Unity, it required a little bit more effort with two, three, four button combinations in order to climb up and down and free run up and down. It required some effort and that made sure that the player was always engaged with how they were traversing the map. Now to be fair a lot of this has to do with the settings of the games. In a game like Assassin's Creed Origins you're primarily climbing up and down rock faces and more naturalistic barriers within the terrain whereas in a game like Syndicate or Unity or in this case Assassin's Creed 2 you are climbing up Typical buildings, two, maybe three stories high, climbing up ladders, chasing enemies, it's all relatively familiar and similar. A game like Origins spanned across an entire countryside, so naturally they had to make travel and traversal relatively efficient in order to prevent the player from just becoming bored and frustrated with the mechanics required to traverse across said map. However, when we look back at Assassin's Creed 2 specifically and we see that certain free-running moves were locked behind certain levels and points within the story so that later in the game you had more skills than you did when you started with regards to exploration, I can't help but think that that's a better system than giving all of the free-running capabilities to the player up front and simply granting combat enhancements or armor enhancements as you go through. After all, Traversal is just a big a part of an Assassin's Creed game, if not bigger than the combat is, and so why not make that the focus with progression and not just the combat? But with all of that said, the gameplay within Assassin's Creed 2 is fairly simple. I think this is part of the reason that so many people look back and remember this game so fondly. It's because it's familiar, it's simple, it's a feel-good game. It doesn't require a whole lot of attention or focus to play or skill to play. You can simply sit down and enjoy it. And while it might not hold up to the modern day standard of excessive RPG mechanics and mixing in multiple genres of games, it still is a good time. And at the time the game was released, it really was revolutionary. 
Now, whenever I look back at old games such as Assassin's Creed 2, people inevitably demand that I make declarative statements such as Assassin's Creed 2 is the best game in the franchise, or the combat in this game is the simplest and best that it's ever been, or the world design in this is far and ahead of everyone else in the franchise. But the reality is Assassin's Creed 2, at the time that it released, was a very, very good game. And that's why it separated Assassin's Creed from every other mainstream action-adventure franchise on the market. It really was an incredible feat for Ubisoft to accomplish. But when we look at how far the franchise has come and how far other action-adventure titles have come, whether you're looking at The Witcher 3 or even Fallout 4 and modern open-world exploration-based games such as Mad Max and the like, it simply isn't there, but that's okay, because this game, Assassin's Creed 2, is not compared directly to those games, and it shouldn't be. At the time it was released, it was an incredible achievement for Ubisoft, and it should be lauded as such. The advances that Ubisoft has made with games such as Unity, Syndicate, Black Flag, Assassin's Creed 2, Origins, and soon Odyssey, all of these improvements are incredible, as you would hope with years and years of work being poured into them, and we should celebrate that fact. The reality is Assassin's Creed 2 was at the time it was released an incredible experience, but compared to the games of today, it really makes you appreciate how far we've come. Now, while this isn't a review and this isn't a video meant to provide a recommendation on whether or not you should pick up this game or wait for a sale, this video is simply meant to look at a game that was truly formative in the gaming industry as a whole, but more specifically for Assassin's Creed as a franchise. And in that context and in that regard, it is one of the most, if not the most important games that Ubisoft has ever created. It was so impactful that games which came out four, five, six, seven years after it did tried to mimic the same story arcs, the same gameplay loops, the same systems to try to catch the same lightning bolt in the bottle that Assassin's Creed 2 was capable of catching. And that is a real testament to what this game achieved. And so, at the end of this big long project, and after playing through this game again just for this video, I have to say I am wildly impressed and I am more appreciative than ever for what Ubisoft was able to achieve with this title. And to be honest, I can't wait to see what they have up their sleeves for the franchise in the coming years. But that's it from me. Thank you so much for watching. I honestly do appreciate it. If you liked the video, hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you want to support more content like this to be made in a faster, more efficient manner, feel free to check out my Patreon. It really does help and it does speed up the production process for these videos. But with all that said, thank you for watching. I love you all. And I'll see you in the next video. Peace out.